I think a lot of people are very good at building an audience, but not a community. And there's a completely different vibe. Like an audience getting a show on fire, right? Like you're on the stage, there's that monologue, you're speaking to them, you're talking at them. A community, you're talking with them, you're connecting with them, you care, you're, you know, having conversations. You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing Podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So what have you gotten yourself into? In short, it's a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I get to explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I am here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. Now, in this episode, we're speaking with Aria Lightly. Now, Aria is a true maven of all things community and connections. With more than a decade of experience in crafting vibrant communities and providing expert consultancy for premier events, conferences, memberships, and influential leaders, Aria is a go-to source for all things networking and visibility. Get ready to unlock the secrets of building meaningful connections as we embark on this exciting conversation. So let's get to it. Let's talk marketing. Let's talk brand visibility. Aria, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing podcast. I am so excited to have you on here today. I am so pumped to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we're going to get into brand visibility and what that actually means, especially to you. But before we do that, I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So I start off with a little warm-up questions. I'd love to know, because this is a marketing podcast, what was your first marketing role or what you would define as marketing role? I think that there are a lot of people step into this space with these traditional, you know, thoughts of what a marketing role is, but I always love to hear people's origin stories and then we'll look at what you're doing now. So what was your first marketing role? Like my villain story, my villain origin story. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, all of us are a villain in someone's story. That's what I always tell my kids. I'm like, sometimes you are, but here's the good news. Sometimes you're a hero in other people's stories. It's a balance. Okay. Yes, my marketing origins, right? I think I would be corporate. I was an executive recruiter when I was 19. And I started out in business development and really had to build the relationships and build my own name and then also build the name of the firm that I was with. So I would probably say corporate recruiting, had no idea what I was doing at first. And actually, I didn't even fully realize what I was doing or how naturally good I was until I had my daughter, didn't go back to corporate, and I became like a bartender, bottle service girl. And I actually like started truly putting all of those things into practice, all the things that I learned, really actually became a marketer out there because I had to eat and I had to feed this girl. Yeah, so I was out there. It was almost like building my own business, creating my own wells, selling out my own VIP areas and stuff like that. So it's gotta be it for sure. Marketing is so much about connections too. So I actually like that you made the that connection between corporate recruiting and even bartending because you have to be able to be quick on your feet, be personable, approachable, but also get shit done and remember everybody and all of those things. What is your current role now? What do you do now? 
I am a brand strategist and a visibility coach. So I work with a lot of the more disruptive brands, the brands that are pushing against the status quo or doing something completely different in their industry or revolutionizing something. Those are the people that I love to work with because I just get like passionate and obsessed with them. So it's very easy to like get them seen and get them out there in the world. So it's definitely a mix of traditional PR routes, relationship building, because these are disruptors and people that are doing things not like the others in their industry, then we have to like create their own book, like we're in their, the marketing rule book for that industry and do things completely different. And so a lot of like the traditional PR and marketing things just don't really work for them. So really creating a super aligned strategy that makes sense for them. Oh, I love that. What do you mean by disruptor? What would be someone who is a disruptor? Yeah, I think people that are just like looking at their industry and they're like, are we seriously still doing things <laughs> like that? I also work with a lot of women of color. I work with a lot of queer folk. And so it's people that are like, they're not willing to hide pieces of themselves or it's coming from a lot of like marginalized communities where it's like we were kind of taught we had to look this one way in order to like get into the industry or make money, you know, like wearing big hoops and <laughs> cussing and all of that kind of stuff. It's maybe that wouldn't normally work in the systems that have been created to keep us women like us out <laughs> of those spaces. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're already disruptors just by walking into the realm and being like our loud brown <laughs> selves, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Now, what is it about what you do right now that you absolutely love? And But conversely, I like to look at the good and bad. What would you, if you could, pluck anything out of what you're doing right now? What would that be? So let's start with the positive. What do you love about what you're doing? I love the full hands-on approach, like really diving into and getting behind the mission of these brands and figuring out what makes them really unique and actually pulling out that. Because even though, you know, my clients are disruptors and they identify as such, they still are like undoing a lot of the programming. And I'm like, no, you can't. You are allowed to go do that. No, you don't have to go (laughs) on this morning show where you're going to have everyone like clutching their pearls. You know, we get to go through these different types of avenues. So I think that's my favorite is watching the founders like really evolve quickly and step into their full true power and their voice. And I love collaboration. So I love watching my people get together and I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I did that. (laughs) 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 Making magic over there. So I love that. What do I not like? I could do without the actual pitching. Like I I, there are like things where I'm like, why did I do this? I get so excited and then I like build up my workload because I do have so many unique skills that I'm like, oh, and then I could do this and then I could do that. And then it's like Wednesday and I'm like, why did I set my work? Why, why did I say exactly? Yeah. I yeah. think no day is the same, right? Every day is a little unique. That's got to make it really fun and exciting and truly never boring for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so as soon as I can get everything that's in here, I used to, with my other business, I had a full team. And so all I had to do was like be in visionary mode and be like, go execute this. And as soon as I can do that with this and be like, can we pitch this person here? Can we do this? 
then I think I'll be better because administrative stuff or ops and all of that, not everything. I just want to come up with the ideas and keep it going. You are, you said it right there. You are a visionary. I just finished reading this book called E-Myth. And in this book, it talked about how an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. They're a visionary, but for most businesses, you have three personalities. And when you're starting off, you are all three of those personalities. You are the visionary. You are also the technician. And then you are also the manager, right? And they all, and you have to, and as like the entrepreneur, you have to really identify like, all right, if I could hire someone, what is like that next thing? Because you have to have someone do all three. So it sounds like it is the all three that you're doing right now. And like that plucking out is really, I just want to hire someone for that part. <laughs> yeah, but I know that I got to get all of this jumbled mess. The, another good book is Rock Fuel. It talks about staying in the visionary space and then having an integrator, which is like Disney had Walt Disney, but it was actually his brother that was like executing all of the ideas. So there's somebody that like is okay with being like a little bit more behind the scenes and making it all happen and stuff. But we put so much pressure on ourselves, especially women, to keep both of the roles because we want to like, it feels so weird to be like, really, is that valuable that I could just sit here and tell an idea and like energy really enough? You know what I mean? Absolutely. That resonates so deeply with me. As you were saying it, I thought I was just going to say, there's this part of me I know as a woman that I'm like, if I don't actually execute it myself, can I say that I did it? Because then somebody else did it, which is such a weird mindset to have. Mm -hmm. Like, you dreamed it up. Right. You don't have to actually be the one that's building the house in order to say, yeah, I did that. It's just, it, we need it to be hard to like suffer and struggle in order to feel like complete. Like, exactly. <laughs> but that's all ours. Yes. That's also what happens being women of color too, right? Like we were taught that like hard work is how everything gets together. And like, we had to work even harder. Our ancestors and our family that we were watching, like they had to work even harder in order to break in. So when stuff feels easy or like peaceful or simple, we're like, well, this isn't valuable. Who am I without, who am I without the struggle? Oh my God, this could just be the podcast right now. I've got so many things rolling through my head. <laughs> but let me get back to it because I do want to make sure that we stay on track in regards to just talking about how we also stay up to date. So we're in just this digital space. I'm curious, do you use any social media networks to be for inspiration or education or entertainment? And by social media networks, I'm just focused on is it TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, like Facebook, I, Facebook is still around, but Instagram, do you go to any of these networks to, for inspiration, education, and entertainment? I'm probably entertainment. I'm definitely like a doom scroller where I'm just like <laughs> consuming and then I'm like, oh my God, I need a break. I approach social media a little bit differently. Like I've always kept it to be a social platform and a networking platform was designed to be. So I try not to get caught up in a lot of the content creation rules or the algorithm things. But I do like to use it for like just seeing how people are having conversations and what they're talking about. I've really been liking threads just because people have gotten out of that like 
needing everything to be that perfect aesthetic and needing like pleasing the algorithm gods. And so a lot of people have been calling it like the unhinged social media, but I like it because people are actually talking about what their struggles are in their business or what types of things that they're faced up against. And that's going to tell you where the trends are happening, right? Like it's like you can predict (laughs) way before they start popping up on social media because you can start to see what people are like getting frustrated with and like how the conversations are headed. Yeah. I love threads and getting involved in that. You are the first person to mention threads. So I love that you said that because I have my account because I'm in marketing. So I feel like I have to at least create an account for every channel to see what it's all about. So I love that you found some value in that. How do you feel like it's different than Twitter though? Because I know that there's a lot of that kind of conversation of, is this just an Instagram Twitter? Yeah. I should call it. The dude bros haven't hit it yet. So that's one reason why right now it's like not like Twitter. And I think that their Twitter became this kind of hub and almost like an echo chamber of the same kinds of conversations happening. And the people that were on Instagram are more of like the creatives. They're the people that are like thinking very visually. So that's who was on Instagram. They got a little bit sick of that. And so Instagram provided an opportunity to just be like, get back to basics and share your thoughts. So I think it's it's a different crew of people for one. And yeah, I think people are just so relieved to have a space that's right now feeling very safe to <laughs> talk about right now. Those. I like that you bet. <laughs> For now, right now, it's a safe space. Yeah. Now, what about outside of social media networks? How do you stay up to date on just trends, things that are happening in the space that you need to be a part of or aware of? Is there a newsletter? Is it the, a podcast? Is it a news channel, a book? Like, how do you stay up to date on like just digital marketing trends? Um, I do subscribe to a few of like the common newsletters. I don't know why it's like escaping my mind right now. I do like to read those things, but I'm like the networking queen. That's what I call myself and have been called that. (laughs) But networking is like every, that's what I do, right? So like I'm at places, I'm talking to people, I'm asking, you know, the hard questions. I'm getting to know like the types of things that people are doing and what they're experimenting with and all of that kind of stuff. So I think it's actually just me being on the ground, (laughs) having conversations, stepping into businesses, talking to the owners, you know what I mean? Going to events and roundtables and stuff to to hear those kinds of things. Absolutely. I, I love that you do that. And having obviously met you in person, I will say you are so approachable and kind and authentic. And you do a really great job at holding space for the other person. And it makes a, talk about safe space, it makes a safe space for conversation. So I could see how you would be, you know, crowned the networking queen, because I think that's a part of it to be able to put yourself out there. It's very hard to do and not everybody likes to do it. So I would imagine like the fact that you have been able to hold information that we've talked about, I don't know, it just makes me feel seen. So I think that's such a valuable trait and a great way to stay up to date on trends because that's a mass amount of content when you go to roundtables and you're talking to other people and you're hearing those trends in real life. Yeah, yeah. And I think that creating that space and like holding those conversations, like networking is going to outlive any marketing trend, like any marketing thing like goes, like I just said, oh, for now, it's great. Like, 
a year from now, who knows if that's going to be, you know, thing. So it's like we can't put all of our like eggs in a basket, but like networking never fails me. I haven't made content on social media for probably a month and a half just because there's been like all of these different things that have happened. But the referrals haven't stopped. The clients haven't stopped the, you know, and I don't have any current funnels. I don't have any current ads that are going out right now. It's just people that I've networked with and stayed in contact with and shown up for. And then they're like, oh, I just was mentioning you in this like room or this opportunity or let me make you this introduction because you made an introduction for me a year ago. You opened a door for me and now I have something for you. It's a key piece that's always missed in visibility strategies. Like I've never met somebody that like values networking as much as they're valuing marketing. And so I constantly have to like, <laughs> it starts, at, it begins and ends with a really good networking strategy. I love that. And I feel like we've now already dove into the let's talk marketing strategy part of kind of brand visibility. And before we hopped on, you're like, I have a totally different viewpoint of what brand visibility means. So I want you to give it to me straight. What When I'm talking about brand visibility, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think it's kind of like an overarching term that kind of brings in all of the different things, right? Like networking, marketing, PR, all of that. It's like an umbrella term that just means getting you the hell out there and getting seen and getting heard and promoting your magic and stuff. But I think that a lot of people, when they're thinking about branding, they're thinking about marketing, they're thinking of all of that. Like when I say brand strategist, they're like, people visualize, oh, I can help you with your website, which I can like help get you to the point. And then I have people that I can definitely recommend once I understand what you're trying to capture, right? But like a brand yeah. is how you make people feel. A brand mm -hmm. is the way that people are talking about you behind your back or like after you've just like left a realm. Your brand is when somebody sees that marketing message, that like feeling that they get in their stomach. And I, it's like people miss that all the time where I'm like, how do you not know <laughs> that the way you treat your employees, that the way that you treat the people that come in to interview, the way that do all of that stuff has become your brand. Like you can position all you want. You can have all the aesthetics that you want. You can hire people to make a tagline. But if you're not backing it up with like your actions and you're not like living up to how you want to be remembered, like you haven't created yeah. a brand. I love that you said that because one, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think anybody that's in branding gets that. It's the people who aren't in branding that think of it as the color, the fonts, the logo, the tagline, it's got to have this imagery, but it is how you make people feel. I think one of the challenges, in my opinion, so I definitely want to hear what your thoughts are, is with any brand is when you tell them like it's how it's that feeling that your audience should leave with, having them wrap their head around like What's that feeling that you want them to have? <laughs> like, how do you get to the emotion that you want to put out there to create a brand visibility strategy that hits the nail on the head? So how do you do that for the brands and the people that you work with? How do you get to their story, that feeling? Yeah. So I call that part like the magic mission and message. So that's like what we like spend a really good amount of time is like diving into that. But usually I have to ask questions like, what pisses you off? about this industry. You know what I mean? It's not like talking about like, oh, I want everyone to feel like this, this, and this. Who is this for? And what are your competitors like not 
providing for these people that you are? Like, how are you seeing people differently? How are you approaching these people differently? How are you creating like a space for them, right? What pisses you off about your competitors, your industry, like the things that you're seeing and the trends that are out there or the things that you were told when you were like starting to break into this industry? Like what makes you upset about it? Because there's, what do you do differently that you've never seen anybody else do or even have thought about doing it, but you're like, oh, why would I do it like that? That's not at all the way was supposed to go what do people like naturally come to you for like they're throughout your whole life there's definitely something in there that is like a part of your brand whether you realize it or not so yeah it's really diving in and asking the right questions that they're like I'm always told oh I've never even thought about that before I've never been asked that before <laughs> and I'm like that's why your messaging sucks <laughs> <laughs> why people are confused when they see you and they see your brand. So after you do that, then what is like that next step to get to be able to get the story out? I would imagine it's this combination of PR. What are you doing on social? What are you doing on digital, your website and all of that stuff? But how do you connect those dots to, to be consistent across like a brand? Then we find the way that they really like to deliver that magic message and mission, right? Do they like long form? Like, oh man, if you get me in a room talking about this subject, I will... <laughs> Totally blue in the face. My soapbox. Yeah. But then if I sit down in Canva, I'm just totally blanking out and don't know how to put it on there. So then we find whatever place they need to be and the way that they can really deliver their genius in the best way. And then we find a way to just repurpose that content onto all of the other platforms and really just make sure that everything feels like them. Like you could hear or read something that I say someplace and you would be like, that has to be Aria because <laughs> there's just a certain voice to like really approach things. Or I will have people message me and be like, are you working with this brand? And I'm like, yeah, how did you know? And they're like, because they just got so much spicier or like <laughs> louder and talking their shit. So I can totally feel your like energy in this space. So that is my brand is like drawing that out people. Now, this is going to sound like a really slight question, but how do you know when it's working? When people start getting either pissed off or responding or high, not, not engagement. Any, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not engagement and the right kind of engagement where people are like, ooh, who is this? Like on social media, obviously we have the metrics where it's like the saves, the shares, the, you know, all of a sudden people are commenting like the fire emoji and stuff like that. Or, um, And then we usually have a pretty quick turnaround like I only work with brands that I know that I'm going to explode so that's so smart that is so smart because I also do consulting and I think about that as well too if I'm not excited about something it's it's going to be really hard and life's too short (laughs) yeah yeah there's so many options out there for you but and I care about my network too much than to bring these different people into collaboration opportunities with this brand that I'm like meh but they paid full. They paid in full. So here I am. So I mean, you can usually tell it's working because it converts quickly, like really quickly, because people are I like, like that. we've been looking for you, right? I've been needing that where I have been searching for somebody that talks about it the way that you do or is coming into this space and creating something for us. And so it like it lands and it spreads like wildfire because they're like, oh, my God, finally. <laughs> Look, over here, like somebody's doing this for us. Now, you've already mentioned networking. What is the role of networking 
as it pertains to like that brand visibility? Like how are those two connected? Getting people in the right rooms is like a big part of the strategy, knowing where they need to go and knowing how they can actually create community and have a well-rounded thing. I think that marketing is more of, especially in the traditional forms, it's very much like a monologue and like networking and community building and all of that's a dialogue. So it's like they both play a role, but there needs to be a lot more dialogue and like going out and having the conversations and building the community and talking to the people and it not just feeling like constantly like billboard or sales or whatever, you know, and like actually connecting people and building your own name too, not just the name of the brand. Again, that's marketing, right? We're like promoting the brand. Networking is putting the founder into the right spaces and platforms and digital rooms and things like that so that people can build that no like trust factor for themselves too, right? Because that's what we connect with is like, when I meet you and then like, oh, you have a boutique. Like I already shop at a bunch of boutiques, but I love you and you're a woman of color and you're like doing all this cool stuff. Then yeah, I'm going to go out of my way to go to your boutique or to check out your online sales or to make sure that I'm supporting you and talking about you and connecting you to the right people. Yeah. The way that you describe it, I almost see as like, the brand visibility part is all of those things being connected, which is like the networking and the building of community. And I know you and I, when we first met and we had that discussion about like just community and building out the community. So I'd love to hear your opinion or your thoughts on the value of building a community for any brand, because I think in my opinion, it's incredibly important because that is how you get that feeling. Having one place that those people that you are connecting with having a place for them to meet all these like-minded people, that's that feeling that people are going to associate with your brand. But I'd love to hear just your thoughts on the value of community for any brand. Yeah. Again, it goes back to those conversations where it's, we don't want to be talked to anymore. Like there's so much information and we're constantly being like screamed at and stuff like that. And you know, that goes for networking and marketing. And that's why when I'm asking you questions at an event, that's why it stops you in your tracks because you just got shoved a bunch of pitches in your face and like a bunch of business cries and you're like overwhelmed with all these people that are coming up. And I'm like, how are you? What do you do? This is so cool that you're creating this. You know what I mean? Then like all of a sudden, like your defenses go down. You don't have to like feel like you have to like <laughs> perform anymore. It's like this human to human connection. And that's what you remember about somebody versus everybody else in a room. And a brand can make us feel like that too, right? Like when it's constantly like you're walking down like Times Square and it's like all of these flashing billboards and stuff, but then you like have this connection with a brand where they're like, this is what we're passionate about and this is what you're passionate about. So how can we build this together? I think that's part of the reason that influencer marketing or even content creators, they work so well for brands because they're bringing in all of their communities. And it's almost like their communities are representing sort of your brand as well, too. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I have a love-hate relationship with influencer marketing. But yes, in theory, that would be why you would. <laughs> Tell me the hate relationship. I want to hear why. I want to hear that. <laughs> The concept of influencer marketing, yes, absolutely. That is 100% what it is supposed to be, like, created for. I think just like everything, it got very, it turned into a completely different direction. I think a lot of 
influencers, which are their own brands, right? I think a lot of people are very good at building an audience, but not a community. And there's a completely different (laughs) vibe. Like an audience getting a show on fire, right? Like you're on the stage, there's that monologue, you're speaking to them, you're talking at them. A community, you're talking with them, you're connecting with them, you care, you're having conversations. I quite literally just had that conversation. And somebody else who's been in the influence marketing space for eight plus years also said the exact same thing. I wish that I could pull the transcripts because she's like, that. now there is a difference between audience and community. I'm not interested in audience. That's more of that follower count, right? I'm interested in their community, who they're talking to, how they're engaging with them. Like that, the back and forth is the community. The audience is just like a gathering of people. And maybe they'll listen, maybe they won't. So it's so interesting that you said that exact same thing. Like, it's amazing. I love it. I love the way that that's been articulated. Yeah, I think that people are so focused on vanity metrics. And I'm like, what does that have anything to do with influence? Like, you're not influencing my buying decisions when you're like showing me a mop and stuff like that. I, I don't care. It's no different than like a normal advertising. And maybe if I was already in the mood for a mop and you showed me this cool trick about it. Yeah, maybe. But it's also not, you haven't sparked enough out of me to go take the extra step of using your code and like going to your affiliate link and stuff like that. But the people that have built community that I'm in community with, they tell me something and A, I'm like, if you trust it, I trust you. I know you're not leading me down a weird path. B, I know that you're bringing the best things to us for this conversation. And C, I love you and I want you to make your coins. So I'm going to go search for the link in the bio and make sure I'm like in your comments being like, I bought this because (laughs) you told me to. Yeah. Well, I think it also does come down to trust in influencer marketing, in building your brand, in anything like you want to be a trusted source as a company, as a product, as a brand, as an entrepreneur, you want people to trust you. That's how they're going to purchase. And you also have to have a good product, right? Good product, good service. You can't suck and have people feel good about it. (laughs) Gone are those days. Like you used to be able to, and I think a lot of people when they're talking about marketing is they're just regurgitating a lot of the stuff from those days where it's like you just had to have a good song and dance and you're going to be able to build a company. But like we're in a completely different day and age. Word gets around fast. Like people are passionate about like talking about stuff. It takes so much more. And I see a lot of people using like old playbooks where I'm like, that's not even, that's paid manipulation. That's not fucking marketing. That's so true. I have taken up so much of your time. I have one final question for you. Okay. If you knew then what you know now, what's that marketing advice that you give to yourself? I always think about this. I always think about like my brick and mortar studios that I had. What do I say marketing wise? I think really knowing my ideal audience, my dream people, and really not being afraid to speak directly to them and repel everybody else. Like I was really playing a role with my brick and mortars of just wanting to be a space for everybody. And it when you're trying to be for everybody, then you're really for no one. Like I would definitely have gotten a lot more like intense and spicy with that. Yeah, I love that. It's creating those boundaries, right? So you can truly focus on what you love and like. Yeah. Liking is a big thing. 
and I talk to the people that are going to be obsessed with me. I am one of these people that is obsessed with you. So I can't even thank you enough for coming on here and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I hope that you found this episode just as insightful as the others. I love Aria. She's an amazing human being. But let's get to the key takeaways of the episode. So the first one I have for you is a brand is not just what you look like, right? It's about the feeling you leave people with. Don't worry. I'm not going to get all like Oprah and Dr. Phil on you and we'll talk about feelings, but feelings matter when it comes to brand. The thing about branding is it's not just the fancy logos and colors. It's so much more. It's more about how it makes people feel. You know, it's what folks are saying about you when you're not around. It's the fluttery feeling you get when you see a cool ad. And here's the kicker. How a brand treats its team and customers That's a big part of the whole brand package. I think it's not something that we necessarily think of, but just remember, it's all about the vibes. Number two, building a brand requires understanding what they do differently, right? And by they, I mean, obviously the brand, you know what I mean. I don't have to explain that, but it really is about understanding what makes you different. Here's Another golden nugget from our conversation, creating a brand means figuring out what sets you apart. Aria's got some great questions for that, like, what do you do differently that nobody else does? And what do people always turn to you for? I think that one, I'm a a little obsessed with that question. These questions can really help you uncover a brand's secret sauce. Somewhere in those answers lies a piece of a better understanding of the emotion behind a brand. I think the key is don't don't just straight up ask, how do you want people to feel about you? I think there's another way that you get around that. It's a number of questions that you ask. And, you know, Aria gave a couple of really great examples. The final takeaway that I have is that networking and community building is important. It's important for brand visibility, my friends. Love it or hate it, you got to continue to network. The power of networking and building community when it comes to boosting your brand's visibility is so key. She's got such a great point on this throughout the entire, honestly, podcast. She said that marketing can often feel like it's a one-way street, but when you're really networking and building community, it's all about a two-way conversation let that soak in, right? I think as marketers and even from like the sales perspective, because I always feel like there's a, a huge push from the sales perspective on this is it's not about us, right? Like we obviously have to talk about us as a brand, but it's not about us. It's also about the customer. And that does require two way conversation. Now, what that also means is that you have to forget about the vanity metrics that are associated with absolutely everything, right? It's about the people in your community, the ones you trust, the ones that can sway your decisions. And that is not the vanity metrics. It is about the engagement, right? Are you truly building a community? A community engages with you. And I think as a brand, it's so important to have real connections and conversations. So the secret sauce to making your brand unforgettable and influential connection. Connection, community, networking, branding. 
Give me all the buzzwords. I will gobble them all up. Now, what insights did you take away from this episode? Post your thoughts on the podcast LinkedIn page or slide into my DMs. I want to hear from you. A special thank you to my podcast producers, the amazing team at Content Allies. Thanks so much to you all for spending your time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off. Thank you.